welcome to Doing Disasters Differently, the podcast with Renee Hanvin, which is all about inspiring you to start thinking and doing disasters a little bit differently too. In this episode, being number 20, I'd like to look back and reflect a little bit on the people that I've spoken to and I guess what's happening in the world of disasters. When I set up Corporate to Community and this Doing Disasters Differently podcast, it's because we need to start thinking differently and doing differently before, during and after all types of disasters. You certainly can't say that 2020 and 2021 hasn't shown us that disasters are the new future and compound disasters. So a disaster happening on top of each other or multiple disasters happening at the same time seems to be the new normal. Although I hate that term, but I guess it's, it, it is normal. It's just the way that we're now living. So resilience as a word and a buzzword that I've heard so much about in the past 12 months in particular, it's not just a word anymore. It's really a necessity. What is resilience? Because there's so many interpretations of it. And what does it mean to the individual, to government, to communities, to businesses, business communities? That's a lot of what I've been trying to explore in the conversations I've been having so going way back to the episode 11, I spoke to Miriam Lum and Sue Gould from Safecom in South Australia. And what I really like about the South Australian approach is that they started embedding and integrating resilience from a few years ago. I remember meeting and talking to them about their strategy and it's a really effective strategy and it's really positively stakeholder led, if you ask me. So I think statewide disaster resilience, if you're looking at a great example of creating the strategy and starting to seed it in, I think that's a really good one to look at and really recommend you listening to that episode and finding out a little bit more. There was a bit of uh, humanitarian conversations that I've had too with uh, the wonderful Kate Sutton from HAG, Humanitarian Advisory Group. Um, HAG are just such a great organisation in the humanitarian space. And we had some good conversations relating to the role of locals and how I guess there's a uh, sometimes when a disaster happens, the seagulls or others who sort of fly in to help come and help, but actually it should be about embracing and building capabilities of locals in communities. And to me, that's really, really uh, fund fundamental. And I guess linked to that, Kate was talking about a need for diversity and inclusion. And I think it kind of links to what Brooks Nelson said, who was at the time at the US Chamber of Commerce Foundation. He's now gone to Walmart, but he was very much saying about it needs to be removing silos and then bringing out equity because we need to be thinking about more equitable resilience and recovery. So when you're talking about that kind of place-based, the comments are really quite well aligned in the sense that we need to be thinking differently at that grassroots level. And dare I say that kind of links into Mark Duckworth, who I spoke to in episode 18, who wrote a great piece. Um, and we had a wonderful conversation about how top-down disaster resilience doesn't work. And I think the main things I took out from that conversation is we need to train, you know, we need to build capabilities and teach and train all stakeholders on disasters, emergency management, um, and, and, you know, what role they can play. And I think there's never been a more important time, which obviously is what C2C, other initiatives we're working on is set up to do. But I loved what he said in that communities need to be seen and should be seen as assets and not problems. I think that's a really strong statement, but it's so important because it's, it's, it's true. Communities are assets and businesses and business communities are assets too. And I think if 
you know, from a government lens or, or other authority lenses, flipped it and thought about communities differently and the role they could play, it would actually be a really different outcome. And the level of national resilience would be uh, far higher um, in terms of it being part of sort of everyday business or just everyday cultures. Now, I can't talk about communities and resilience without mentioning uh, Professor Daniel Aldrich. As you know, I am a massive fan of uh, Daniel's and his work in the social capital space. I'm also very privileged to have him on our advisory committee for the Resilient Australia Alliance. And again, there's some exciting things coming there soon too. Daniel was talking about getting better at mapping social ties. And I guess also linking the funding for resilience and recovery, but to people as opposed to infrastructure. And I think that, again, it's a conversation that we've been having, but it would be so wonderful to have mapped out and to have mapped, you know, the social capital across Australian communities, like what has been done in communities overseas. So we can see what the starting point is and then have that as people being the foundation of resilience really having a role and having, I guess, a, a position and a measurement position in any future uh, resilience, resilience focuses. I think um, Daniel's comment relating to more funding going into people resilience as opposed to infrastructure, I have to say the New South Wales grant programs in particular, and while the grant programs themselves is sort of another uh, topic of conversation, the BCRRF uh, grant programs, which was the Community Recovery and Resilience Grants, announcing the winners, and we were lucky, I mean, amazing to have received three. Those grants really were focused on people connections. Um, many of them, I have to say, it's the probably the, the most proactive grants program that I've seen, which has been about people and connections and, and building collaborations and supporting communities to come together to deliver initiatives. So you have to say, I guess, in terms of the evolution of the funding structures of the recovery of the bushfires, so obviously we're still limited to bushfires, but then the, the funding that has been a focus has, has certainly, I guess, evolved in the, the mindset of it being not just focused on infrastructure. Talking to Rachel and Emma at that community level on their fire and rain series was really good to hear about the words, I guess, from that community level and that they're looking for greater ability for the leaders and I guess government to adapt. And I guess, you know, when, again, I've just been talking about the grants program. So there is absolute opportunity for government and the top-down leadership to evolve and adapt. And, you know, we're slowly starting to see that happen. I love how Rachel and Emma um, mentioned that there needs to be more focus on reimagining. So for me, you know, resilience, what is it? Well, we need to reimagine what we want it to be as well. And I find that that focus of reimagining the future, spending some time to say if something happened, you know, what, we'd, what would we want it to be? beforehand, which can really help in any of the aftermaths, um, is I guess a, a language and a new kind of, I guess, you know, a new way of thinking that we can just integrate into uh, the approach for building readiness or resilience as well. Uh, talking again at the community level, um, chatting with Terry Campisi is always a great uh, experience. Terry is from the Crembian uh, Pellerin Council in uh, ACT or New South Wales. Um, and I have never met someone who has done more for their local community before, during and after the bushfires, I must say. 
but he was mentioning about the grant process um, needing a bit of a review. And I, I have to agree, um, having submitted a lot of grants on behalf of ourselves and also for communities, um, the process is very uh, stressful. It's very time consuming. And yeah, it would be great perhaps if the new Federal Resilience Agency was able to lead some change and adapt the process to be fit for purpose for communities. Terry also mentioned about um, the funding and I guess the uh, structured funding. And again, I think we're seeing little bits of changes in that, which is really positive. Now, talking about changes, uh, Hayley Hardy, I spoke to from the East Gippsland Marketing Institute, and we were talking about, from her perspective, that so much of the funding that's come into the bushfire impacted communities have been assumed needs or people saying, we can help with this, as opposed to needs led. I think this is a really important point. And again, through our Disaster Giving Collective, uh, are looking to, I guess, evolve that conversation more in the sense of we just need communities to be supported, to understand what they need, and then set up the systems and process to enable them to receive helpful, not harmful and effective help. The last conversation I had was, I have to say, probably my most exciting one, just from that business community perspective. So I spoke to Susan Gray, who is the president of the Tilba Chamber of Commerce. So they're down in uh, southern New South Wales and, again, were bushfire impacted. But having a conversation with Susan in terms of, I guess, how a business community and businesses in the community have been, um, well, how prepared they were and they weren't and then how they responded and, and what changes it's made in the community was a really insightful uh, conversation because we are obviously really focused and, you know, really wanting to evolve the business communities being a major part of building social, uh, social capital and building uh, resilience in communities at that grassroots level to support in the before, during and after of disasters. So I'm, I guess, you know, reflecting on those conversations and even having just listened to my first reflection, I think it's the same key themes and I might need to do an ebook with um, all these uh, comments and suggestions because it's pretty simple. I think what needs to happen and what can happen. I think just changing the conversation a little bit, we have been working with uh, some communities in New South Wales, as I mentioned before, really excited to have um, been uh, successful in the grant program in New South Wales for helping business communities build resilience. So we're delivering um, a toolkit project in northern New South Wales, so around Lismore and other uh, local council areas up there, and then also in the south, so Eurobadella, Bega Valley um, and other councils in the south. It's a similar project, and what it is is we're currently in the process of bringing together multi-stakeholders in terms of uh, we're calling them working groups, but I've decided that's probably not really a great uh, name because they don't really have to do any work, but we're really building a content roadmap of what is going to be the focus of conversation building for the next um, 12 months. And around September, we'll be launching, I guess, the formal program in communities, although the current COVID uh, lockdown might be just putting that date back a little bit. But in theory, the program really is fortnightly conversations around that are of interest and of benefit to businesses and the wider business community. So really looking forward to sharing that. And we've had some really great feedback because whilst there's a lot going on in these communities, this approach is different and it has, I guess, a dual function. The function is to educate and drive 
active change for those who are participating. So every business owner in the LGA regions um, can, partic can participate, but it's also about understanding where the community is at. So the data and the information that we'll be collecting will then enable us to help local council and other organisations to position the need and the gaps in terms of reducing those uh, gaps of resilience to enable the business communities to keep trading um, as much as possible, obviously before, but certainly in the during and the after, because we know a thriving and resilient community needs thriving and resilient businesses because businesses are absolutely fundamental to the uh, economic and social viability of communities. The other grant that we won is out west of New South Wales with the uh, wonderful team in the Blue Mountains. So we randomly called the Blue Mountains Business Chamber, um, as they were called, and asked them about participating in the toolkit concept. They very politely said, no, thanks. Um, and then we just kept talking and they were telling us about what they need. And what we're doing with them, I have to say, is really exciting too, because it's about supporting the new structure that they are building as a regional business chamber. And I'm going to stop using the word business chamber soon. So we'll call it a business, uh, a business community network or a business community hub. And it's really about, I guess, evolving the, the traditional structure of business chambers and basically bringing a new community of businesses um, into a cohort group where they can work independently and in silos into terms of their locations. So across the Blue Mountains, I think there's 26 local towns. So we want businesses in those towns to connect at that level, but to also connect across it in the wider level, because a lot of the themes, a lot of the knowledge gaps, a lot of the information and data that we find or the information and data that they need will actually be pretty similar. So it's a really innovative approach that the business BM, Mike, Mark and Lawrence um, came up with, and we're really excited to be helping uh, with that project. And I've already had a couple of other business chambers from across New South Wales connect with us to say, we're trying to do the same thing so hopefully what we are doing and learning and creating in the Blue Mountains region will be something that can be scaled up and rolled out across the rest of New South Wales and if not um, the rest of Australia because I the I guess the role of business communities is really only kind of just being um, identified yet as I um, said in a presentation to Shane Stone and really look forward to um, Kate Carnell and I meeting with him shortly, is that businesses and business owners, leaders and operators are really, they're a massive asset because they engage with and interact with their customers, their community, their suppliers, their employees each and every day. So the more we can build the skills and the knowledge in the business communities, then that's going to organically seed into just general communities as well. So from the grant side, we've been super busy. We've also engaged a couple of people, uh, Emma Wallace from Lismore and also Rebecca Lang in the Blue Mountains because as part of our social enterprise commitment, absolutely committed to building place-based capabilities. So Rebecca and Emma are, um, I think, hoping um, and seem to be excited to be learning from us. And again, we're excited to be having that local person who can become an expert and a, a future leader um, in their communities in the business community uh, resilience and disaster building space. So there's a bit going on. We've got a few more grants coming. We're also working on our disaster giving collective, which I think I've mentioned before. There'll be a bit more to share about that. And probably in about two months, we're going to have a pretty big, I guess, announcement in terms of a new people mo movement and a business community movement 
um, initiative that we've been working on for quite a while behind the scenes now just seems to be the right time that everyone's kind of ready for it. So yeah, can't wait to share um, that with you soon. And not too far off will be a, a podcast I've had with James Ritchie, who some of you know, James and I had a coffee about five years ago, which turned into corporate community and the other initiatives that we are evolving. And James has been uh, based in Germany since COVID sort of kicked in and he's just had, or he's just starting to come out of 200 days of lockdown. So it was really interesting to chat with him about what his experience was and I guess how it compares from Europe in Germany to Australia and also having that kind of bird's eye view back into Australia because let's be honest the uh, disaster space has provided a fair bit of entertainment and um, a fair bit of uh, memes and conversations relating to processes and and, and focuses and, and outcomes but thank you so much for listening to this podcast we clocked over a thousand episodes which was yeah really exciting so I hope you find some benefit um, and I hope I hope the podcasts help you to think differently and do differently when it comes to disasters because we all have a role to play and it looks like disasters are here to say so stay safe and we'll talk to you again soon thanks for listening that's the end of this episode of doing disasters differently the podcast which i hope you found to be relevant informative and inspiring if you're interested in participating in the conversation or to connect with me personally please visit corporate2community.com Until the next episode, stay safe and remember we all have a role to play in thinking differently and doing differently before, during and after disasters.